and I know you're all going to read entire Ephesians every day. I know that, aren't you? <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> so, <laughs> the other thing that is, you, you cannot miss in Ephesians is the love of God for you. The love of God and what walking in the love of God does for, for us. Okay, so, Paul begins, we're in chapter 4 today, and I, this entire study is from the Peshitta Holy Bible. It is from the Aramaic. Um, so if anyone doesn't have, because I can't put them up there, um, if anyone doesn't have, there's one right there, a hand that needs one. If anyone doesn't have a copy of the translated Aramaic, then Ken will bring those around. But anyway, he starts, oh, and, and I just want to warn you, you can just settle in today. Okay? You can just settle in. So Paul begins this chapter, and he encourages us to walk the walk that is suitable, that is suitable to the calling of Christ. That's a tall order. To walk a walk suitable to the calling of Christ. That's a tall order, but you can do it by the Holy Spirit. He's equipped you. He's made you ready. Um, it seems like some tall orders, but we can do it. So I'm going to paraphrase Ephesians 4, 2 through 6, because he, he encourages us here, and he, he gives us... Um, I don't want to say suggestions because they're more than suggestions. But he tells us how to walk suitable to Christ. He basically tells us to walk in humility in our minds. Okay? Humility in our minds. He tells us to walk in quietness and patience. He tells us to be patient one with another. Be patient one with another. He tells us to walk in love toward one another. He tells us to diligently keep the harmony of the Spirit bound together in peace. Actually, you could just take all this and you could study this for a whole week, just this part. You could study just this part for a whole month or longer. He reminds us that we are one body, one body, one body, knit together by one Holy Spirit. One body. You are one body with your brothers and sisters. You're believers, brother and sister believers. We have one hope in Christ. One hope in Christ. No other hope. There's one faith, one baptism, one Lord Jehovah. And that's who we serve. And we are reminded that our one God is the father of us all. He's over all. He is in us all as believers. So when you think about being one body, we don't have a lot of different faith. There's one faith. What is that faith? Yes. There's one faith in Jesus, and as we listen to the Holy Spirit, he instructs us in the knowledge of God. It's not denominations. Right? We're not to look at ourselves in denominations. We're supposed to look at ourselves as one body of Christ. Okay, so that paraphrases the whole first six, chap six verses. So those are great instructions for life, and, and we have to remember as we proceed in our daily lives, those are, those are like the guiding posts that we want to, when, when we interact with people. And we want to walk suitable to our calling in Christ, and that's how he tells us, that's how he starts to tell us on how to do it. But I'm going to move on to verse 7. Because I believe this is a tremendously key verse to this book, this chapter. He says, But to each one of us grace 
is given according to the size of the gift of the Messiah. Isn't that powerful? I mean, honestly, think about that. The size of the gift of the Messiah. Well, how big is your God? How big is your Messiah? What's his size? He doesn't have a limit. So what are you going to receive from him? It's not going to be a small measure. It is not a small measure. You are not small people. You have the size of the gift of the Messiah. Wow. That is absolutely incredible to me. You see, I believe, and I believe the word tells you and shows you if you really want to get all your stinking religious thinking gone, that my gifts are not limited. Your gifts are not limited. The gifts that he gives to you are without limit and without repentance. He's not going to change his mind. He's not going to give you a gift and take it back. He's going to give you a gift for you to grow, for, for me to grow and exhibit him in his fullness, not in his partiality, not, not in the part, not in a small way. So, John 3, 34, again Aramaic. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for it was not in a measure that God has given the Spirit. Okay, wake up and listen to what that's really saying. In the NIV right there, it might make it a little more understandable. It says, but, but I believe it's, well, anyway, it's however you want to read it. However you, whichever you prefer is what I'm saying. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. Without limit. Not in a little bitty measure. If we feel like we have a little bitty measure, it's because we're chopping something off. <laughs> we're closing the door. Don't close the door. So the enormity, the enormity, if, if we could just, if, if just for a moment, and I would prefer that you carry this with you all day, all week, forever and ever, but just for a moment, just sit there and allow the enormity of the Spirit of Christ to impact your heart to impact your spirit. If you only knew and could, which you can because you are a believer in Christ and he makes things known to us through the Holy Spirit. Okay, but if we would only engage in and take into ourselves the reality of the enormity of Christ in us Are y'all getting it? It's not a small thing. It's not a small thing. He has so much for you. It's unbelievable. So anyway, 4, Ephesians 4, 8 through 10. I believe this is where he starts to explain the enormity of the gift that he's talking to us about. Therefore it is said... He ascended to the heights. Does anyone see a limit there? He ascended to the heights, no limit. And took captivity prisoner. Took captivity prisoner. So in other words, he has given you, me, freedom to experience his life in us. All of his life, all that he came to give. He took captivity prisoner, and he has given gifts to the children of men. So he has supplied me, he has supplied you with all the gifting you need to accomplish his limitless freedom. His limitless freedom. 
in pursuing his desires. You see that? Continuing with verse 9, but that he ascended, what is it but that also he first descended to the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the same who also ascended higher than all the heavens to restore all things. To restore all things. Nothing missing, nothing broken. This is God's vision for you. This is his storehouse for you. This is his open heaven for you. You live in an open heaven. So I'm going to go through this. It says, he ascended to the heights higher than all the heavens. To me, that's no limits as to what he possesses and as to what he has given me. No limit. And descended to the depths. So no limit as to what he has conquered on our behalf. No limit to the depths. No limit as to what he has conquered on on your behalf, on my behalf. He took all of my captivity prisoner. Every bit of it. If there is something that you feel that is trying to hold you captive, you're going to get rid of it today. Okay? Took all of my captivity prisoners, so he defeated it for me. He, have we received what his stripes have done? Have we received what his blood has done? Okay? He has defeated it for me. Anything, anything that could try to hold me captive in my mind, in my emotions, in my, in my heart, in my spirit, right? In your body. And he gave me his freedom. And has, these, this is all straight from the scripture, and has restored all things. All things. That's everything. That's nothing left out at all. Not one thing left out. Total restoration. Open heaven living. Garden of Eden living. Okay? And he's given it to you. He's given it to me. To live victoriously and to what? The most important part? To glorify him. To glorify him. When you live in the victory that he's given, you will be able to bless others, help others, help them become victorious in their lives. Right? So, he has given you, he has given me every single key to spiritual warfare and spiritual victory. Everything we need. He has opened the door for me. He has opened the door for you to step through into his complete restoration in all things. The heavens are not brass to you, beloved. Okay, now I want to read this uh, in Rotherham's (coughs) (coughs) Emphasized Bible. I'm going to do this with several of these today because I also think that that is a tremendously... um, descriptive Bible, and it, it's, it's a literal translation, so it has a lot of detail that we have missed out in some of the other translations. Wherefore he saith, <coughs> ascending on high, he took captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now this, he ascended, what is it? Save that he also descended into the under parts of the earth, he that descended He it is who also ascended over above all the heavens. Over above all the heavens. Are you going to allow him to be an over above all Savior? An over above all Lord. It includes both Lord and Savior. That he might fill all things. That means his immeasurable, immense, overflowing. If something is filled, there's no emptiness there, is there? So we walk around filled as filled vessels in Christ. <coughs> Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. It says that he has placed in the body apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for specific reasons, and he explains those reasons. That's why we should not forsake the assembling. It is not the same to sit at home and watch on TV. 
We are meant to come together to edify, to help, to encourage, to comfort one another. And you can't do that when you're sitting at home watching TV. <coughs> so he basically says that those offices have been given to perfect the saints to, for the work of the ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ. And the NLT version explains it really well. It says their responsibility, those, those five offices, <coughs> their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So we should all be seeking to be equipped in Christ. All right. <coughs> Rotherham's there says, with a view to the fitting of the saints, all of you, the fitting of the saints for the work of ministering and for upbuilding of the body of Christ. So how can we all fit together <coughs> if we're all sitting at home isolated? How can we fit together? Okay, so we, we, we do want to come together and, and encourage one another. So, this is what God's goal is, and I believe it is expressed in the next verses, verses 13 through 16, about what he wants the church to be like, what he wants us all to come together and be like. Until we all shall be one entity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. So that's another reason to come together. So that one faith in Christ, in the knowledge, in the knowledge of the Son of God. And one perfect man, do not let that word scare you, perfect man, he sees you through the blood, with the dimensions, this is Okay, I'm going to read all these verses, and then we're going to go back, and we're going to pick them apart verse by verse. So I'm going to read it first, if I, can, if I can get through them without, like, exploding with excitement. <laughs> and one perfect man, with the dimensions of the stature of the maturity of the Messiah. Listen to those words. This is no baby gospel. Neither shall we be children who are shaken and troubled for every wind of crafty teaching of the children of men, those who plot to seduce by their cunning, but we have been firm in our love. Firm in our love. That, remember, always pay attention to the small words, because it means so that, all our affairs may increase in the Messiah. All our affairs may increase in the Messiah, who is the head. And from him, the whole body, constructed and joined in every joint, according to a gift given in measure, whose measure? Christ, to every member for his growth of the body, maturing us, perfecting us, that, so that, his building, because you are his building, you are his construction, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that his building may be completed in love, in love, in love. So when you disagree with a doctrine that's not biblical, how do you have to do it? In love. You love the person. No person, no matter how much they disagree, you disagree, no person is ever your enemy. No person. You love every person. That doesn't mean that you agree if it, isn't, if it doesn't line up with the word of God. Because we want to line ourselves up with Christ at all times. In everything we do, in everything we think. Okay. But we love, you love all people. I don't really care how mean someone is to me. I love people. I love people. 
You see, really, if you're filled up in the love of Christ, nobody can hurt you. Nobody can offend you. You will never be offended if you're walking in the love of Christ. All right. So, (coughs) we're going to look at each of these verses. We the believers, his church, we are designed to be one entity. Noah, now, this is a beautiful, beautiful description of, of that word. And when you put that into this verse, it, it, it's explosive. So Noah's Web, Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary says that entity is being, existence, a real being or species of being. So you are a special entity, a special species of being, one living being. And you are a living being with the very breath of God in you. The very breath of God. The very life of Jesus. That's what defines you as a believer. So one living being with the same faith and knowledge of Christ. Hallelujah. All right, verse 13. One perfect man, this is what we want to take out of there, with the dimensions of the stature, the dimensions of the stature of the maturity of the Messiah. NIV there says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's, that's your definition. That's what defines you. That's how God sees you. That's huge to me. You are designed, you are defined, you are destined to live the way God sees you. Not the way someone here in the world sees you. The way God sees you. The way he has defined you and destined you to be. Okay, we're we're, we're raising our thinking. So let's look at each one of these segments. And by the way, he's provided the way for you to live that way. Okay? The stature of the maturity. We're going to take that phrase. The stature of the maturity. That means the same stature, the the same maturity, the same bigness, the same presence as his maturity and his fullness. Is this making sense to you? The same development of his maturity and his fullness in your life. I mean, your spirit should be soaring at this point. When you realize how he is intended for you, how he has recreated you when you become a believer in Christ. And if you're not a believer in Christ, it's really, really simple. You just say, dear Lord, I believe that Jesus is your son that he went to the cross that he died for me that you raised him from the dead and he ascended to sit with you at the right hand of the father and that he poured out his blood for mercy for me that he has forgiven me and I receive him this day as Lord and Savior in Jesus mighty name then you're a believer and then you get the, you have every blessing of Christ destined for you So, the dimensions, listen to this part, the dimensions of the stature of Christ's maturity. That's the height, the width, the depth, the length. Is there any limit to the dimension of Christ? No. Limitless. Every dimension, the dimensions of his stature, the bigness of his stature, the same stature of maturity. That's what's intended for you. He is bigger than big. He is fuller than full. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's my God for me. That's my God for you. That's your God for you. Pressed down, running together, nothing missing, nothing broken, rivers of life, rivers of love, flowing forth from your bellies. Unending supply. Infallible source. He is the infallible source. Any other source can be fallible but he is your infallible source. 
super abounding in all his goodness for you. Rotherhams there says, until we all advance into the oneness of the faith and the personal knowledge of the Son of God. Now, I'm not like an army person, but like, do armies have battalions or something? Or what are their little groups called? Hello, somebody, come on, help me. Battalion? Is that what works? Okay. Okay, so if you have an army and you have a bunch of battalions and nobody's listening to the head, what's going to happen? Are they going to function like a well-oiled machine and accomplish the mission? No, they're not. See? So this is why this is so important. It says, until we advance into the oneness of the faith. We need to all stop the bickering about these little things. It's the oneness of the faith, the Christ headship, that we are united in him. That we are in love with one another in him. Into a man of full growth. This is how you're going to come into being a full man or woman, a man or woman of full growth. Into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, verse 14. Not children shaken in trouble by the teachings of the world, the ideologies, the philosophies, a lot of the new doctrines that you hear. If they don't agree with this, you have a responsibility to in love, what does the scripture say? It says, speak the truth in love. That's what it says. No hate allowed. No haters allowed. Okay? Speak the truth. Yes, the truth. The truth is the most loving thing you will ever give another person. Because without truth, where deception is, mistakes occur, harm occurs. So, when we have new philosophies, misled doctrines of gender choice, no, I'm serious. What does the scripture say? It says, you have to go by the scripture. He created the male, male and female. He didn't say he created gender choice. He didn't say he, that um, transspeciesism. He didn't say that you can turn yourself into a cat. And I'm sorry, but the best thing you can do is when a person is walking in a deception is to try to give enlightenment from the scripture love enlightenment because people are hurting people are hurting when a person thinks they they actually are going to be a cat on a day there's pain there but it's nothing that the love of Christ cannot heal redefined marriage critical race this, my, my scripture tells me what? The love of God is shed abroad in my heart. Is the love of Christ for every person? Is it totally unconditional? Yes, it is totally unconditional. So how has God created me to be? He has given me, because when we're born again, he recreates our spirit in his image. So my image of my spirit is that I have unconditional love for every human being. And I will seek out in my life places where I'm not demonstrating that love, but there are times when every person does not demonstrate that love, and it does not mean that you have an inherent bias. It means that you have some work to do. It means that we all have work to do so that we can line up with the love of God. God's love is shed abroad in my heart, and that's what I'm choosing to give out to other people. Verse 15. But we have been firm in our love. See there? See, this is critical. It is so important. 
We have been firm in our love that all our affairs may increase in the Messiah. That's all your personal affairs. That's all your interactions with other people. You see that? The only way to have your affairs increase in the Messiah and look like him, his purposes, is to be firm in our love. Critical. We are firm in our love so that our, for our affairs, our lives in every area increase to be like him, to, to display the richness of God to display his very character, his superabundance, since we want all of our affairs to increase into Messiah living. That's what I want. I want every single one of my affairs to increase into Messiah living, so to speak. So we have to pursue, we have to be diligent in walking in the love of God, not the love of man and not the misconceptions of man or humans. God's led shut abroad in, in our hearts, employed in our lives, makes us very firm. It gives us a firm foundation, and it increases and it secures all of our affairs in the Messiah. So, I will be securely established, and that will bring purity to my life. It will bring blessing to other people's lives. It will bring, bring clarity of mind to me. Best thing, if you're confused about something, is just, you know, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, pursue the way of love. It will bring so much clarity in your life, in my life. Rotherhams. But pursuing truth may in love grow into him. I'm going to grow into him in all things. Who is the head Christ? Okay, verse 16. And from him, from him, from him and only him, the whole body constructed and joined in every joint according to a gift given in measure. Whose measure? Whose measure? Thank you. A gift given in measure to every member for his growth of the body that his building may be completed in love. His building may be completed in love. That's what completes us in Christ, is the love of God. So we're constructed in the Messiah, every joint, gifted to do his work in love. His gifts given in his measure. Okay, I really, I think this, this um, you know, a lot of times we read about he gives a measure, and I think we really need to expand our thinking because we think sometimes in a fleshly manner or in a carnal way or in a, a, with human limitations because we sometimes think when we read verses like that and we go, give it in a measure. Okay, well, that just means I have a little bit. That means I only have a part given in a measure. But it's really given in the measure of Christ. So when you come across those verses, really think about the measure that it is. The fullness, the expansiveness, the completeness and the wholeness. It's not a weak measure, it's not a little measure, and so we want to think about the enormity. It's not a little bit of this and a little bit of that. No, I, I am destined, I am desiring to walk in Christ's fullness, in his completeness. It's not just for the special ones. It's not just for the smart ones. It's not just for the accomplished ones. It's not just for the talented ones because in Christ you are all special. You are all talented. You are all accomplished. You are all gifted. It's just are you going to walk out in the giftings that he gives you, right, that he's created you to be, Rotherham's 4.16. Out of whom, this is Christ, all the body fitly framing itself together and connecting itself. This is something you, we, me, I need to engage in. We do this. Connecting itself through means of every joint of supply by way of energizing in the measure of every single part. Energizing in the measure of every single part, that's each one of you, securely, 
secureth the growing of the body unto the upbuilding of itself in love. So the Aramaic basically says that we're constructed and joined together in every single joint according to the gift given in measure, and Rotherham describes that gift. It describes that gift as every joint of supply. Well, who's the supply? Jesus. So every joint of supply, so the Christ supply, the Christ supply, which we have access to through the Holy Spirit, right, energizes us in every single part of our existence. The Christ supply energizes you in every part of your existence. Mind, body, spirit. In your character, in your bodies, in your emotions, in your minds. Because we are what? Increasing into Christ every day. Increasing into Christ. Do not condemn yourself when you fall short to say, I'm going to see it the way, the way God sees it. He sees me incre- increasing into him every day, better and better. Uh, my very essence, your very essence growing into his likeness. Are you all getting this today? Okay. So that his truth, his love, his energy, his, it energizes every single part of our existence. And we are framed together, every joint perfectly fit together, supplied in his love. That is an amazing, beautiful picture. If you really allow yourself to, vi- to envision that picture, it's amazing. And we're growing together in him. We are, at, we are, you are, you are, <laughs> you are a well-oiled, you are a well-oiled Holy Spirit, right? You are a well-oiled, smooth-running, Holy Spirit-filled, energized, Christ-packed person, right? (laughs) That's how he sees you. Don't see yourself any less. So, verse 16 says, into the upbuilding, I want to give you a couple other scriptures or ideas from the scripture. It says, Faith, hope, love, the greatest of these is love. Remember, because he says, upbuilding in the love of Christ. The greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 4, 1, pursue the way of love. Okay? All right. This is, this is how we do spiritual warfare. We don't do spiritual warfare with hate and anger. We do it in meekness, in temperance. Does it mean that you are a doormat? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that you are on a firm foundation, that you stick to the word, that you will not be moved when you're on the word, but it doesn't mean that you're a pushover. It doesn't mean that you give in when the truth is not engaged. All right. So then Paul, okay, and this is going to be the part that none of you want to hear. But if it's in the word, it's important So Paul, he gets to the admonishment part. He gets to the part where he tells us to pay attention to these things and to be alert, aware, sober-minded. Since we have been given this great, tremendous gift of unity with Christ, very union, remember the veil has been torn. That means something. The veil has been torn. Your entrance to the very throne room of God has been secured when you are a believer and have received Christ. So why, Paul's whole point here is when that's what you've been given, why should you contaminate it with old man thinking? Why should you contaminate it with remembering the wrong things and and the things of the old man? Because now you're meant to move forward into the new man. Now, does that mean you don't repent of sin? No, it doesn't mean that. It means you repent of sin and you get rid of it and you turn and you, and you do things differently. But he says, you know, Paul even said, I have wronged no man. How can Paul, who murdered, who stood by and watched Christians, who tried to get them in prison, how could Paul say, I've wronged no man? He knew who he was in Christ. 
And he wasn't going to let the devil shame him into thoughts of his unworthiness and his unchristlikeness. He was going to choose to walk in what Christ accomplished. I choose to walk in resurrection life. And if somebody doesn't like it, it doesn't make me arrogant. To receive the gift of Christ is a good thing. Okay, so where was I? Oh, the admonishment part. Okay, we're all going to love this if we really want to hear from the Lord. Because basically, verses 18 through 31, they instruct us, they direct us, they tell us to be alert, to be aware, to be diligent, to be purposeful, and to put on the ways of the new man and not maintain the thought patterns of the old man. So we want to stay in the confines of the new temple, of the Holy Spirit temple. Because that's what we are, right? So that's where we want. We're, we're not meant um, to stay in that old, un, unregenerated ha- habit, inhabitation, okay? So we will be functioning in his love, united in his love. We're not meant to be islands. We're meant to encourage one another. And we're meant to live as the temple of the Lord. So, here's the old man stuff. Verses 17 through 19. Who walk in the emptiness of their minds and are dark in their intellect, are aliens to the life of God, because, why? Because there is not knowledge in them, and because of the blindness of their heart. So often this is a heart issue. It is a heart issue. Those who have cut off their hope, this is something people do to themselves, nobody here, nobody here, and handed themselves over, so it's something that is a choosing, to lewdness and to the cultivation of every impurity in their lust. Now that means lust for anything. That means power. That means, you know, greed. That means social acceptance. That means having to have everybody agree with you. That's all idolatry. All of it. Every bit of that is idolatry. It's making something more important than the Lord in our lives. So, Paul says that we're called to a new way of life and that if we have truly heard from the Messiah if we have truly heard from the Messiah in our lives, that we, will, that we will pay attention and that we will make these changes. So this takes what? It takes us being intentional. We cannot be lazy believers, especially in these end times when things are becoming more and more hateful. You understand? Okay. So we choose to put aside the corruption and the old man desire. So we choose to continually be made new in the spirit of our minds. That means washed in the blood, recreated in our spirits. Um, we, we, we renew our minds to the word and the word only. So what does it mean? It means <coughs> that we will not, you do not blindly accept the traditions of men. Just because your parents did it that way doesn't make it right. You listen to the Holy Spirit your situation. <clears throat> the ways of the world, the new societal thinking, developing doctrines in action, okay? Just so y'all don't think this is all theoretical, we're going to talk about some very specific applications. So you can kind of put it, put some meat to it. So in action, in action, when the schools teach when schools teach sexual choice, transspeciesism, you revolt. You don't just say that's the way the culture is. That's the way it's going. Why is the culture where it is right now? It's because the church chose not to stand up. You know, the church chose 
not to agree, not to bring in the light. You are the salt and light. Okay? So when a school teaches anti-God ethics, anti-God ethics, you do something about it. You get on the board, you take your kids out, you go speak to the teachers. You say, this is unacceptable to me and this is why. You don't fight. You can take the word, you can say, this is why. You can be a person of peace when you stand up for the scripture and you say, this is why I cannot accept this in my child's life. You ask for options. If it doesn't work, you get them out. You do something about it, but you don't stand by and just say, oh, it'll change. Because you're responsible for that kid. It's you. He gave them to you. Didn't give them to a school system. So, <clears throat> it means when Disney television produces a series called Little Demon, this is real, produces a series called Little Demon where Satan impregnates a, a child or a, a, a woman and the child becomes the Antichrist, it means that you stop fraternizing Disney. It means you don't buy anything Disney. It, it means that, oh, well, this is okay about Disney, but this is not. No, I'm sorry. It means you don't buy the clothing, you don't buy the, the movies, you don't buy the whatever. Okay? You understand that? It means when corporations, who is the author of life? Is God the author of death? No. So when corporations supply funds for people to get abortions, should you support that corporation? No. I don't want anybody's blood on my hands. What does it mean in our personal lives? Okay, let's look at our personal lives. That's, that's a corporate thing. That's a societal thing. But what about our personal lives? It's just as applicable. What if we, and every single person struggles with different things whether that's jealousy, whether that's pride, whether that's greed, whether it's anger, whether it's selfishness, all those things are idolatrous because they're, in essence, not allowing to God to come in. You're putting those things above him, okay? So it can be any one of those. It can be any, any issue, but what do we do in the, say, for instance, I'll choose anger today. I'm going to choose that as the emotion, now, so the Bible tells us not to have fits of rage. Tells us not to let the sun go down on our wrath. Okay? So, does that mean you ignore the emotion? No, it doesn't mean you ignore the emotion. It means you work through the emotion. It means you get like-minded believers to help you, to talk to you, to give you wide, wise world, word, word, counsel, and you invite the Holy Spirit to bring peace to your situation. You don't give in to the anger. You don't give in to the fit of rage, but you don't ignore it and bury your hand in the, in, in the sand, right? So, what does the word, you go to the word. You go specifically to the word, and what does the word tell you that your recreated spirit is? What does it tell you? tells you that you have love, joy, that you have peace, that you serve a God of peace, okay? So you invite the Holy Spirit, you read the word, you find the scriptures, and then you walk in those scriptures, you, you speak those scriptures to yourself, 
You own those scriptures, and you allow the word to redefine the situation. Okay? You feed yourself the word. You know, the scripture tells us to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. It tells us to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and to sing worship unto the Lord. When you're doing that, can you stay in anger? That will recreate your spirit. Well, your spirit's recreated when you're born again, but it will mature your spirit. Let's put it that way. So the the scripture says, don't give place to the devil, right? Don't give place. Don't give place to the fit of rage. Ephesians 4.26, be ye angry and sin not. It's not a sin to be angry. That's not a sin. It's how we handle it. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. So we talk to others, we, we are like-minded believers, so they can lift us up and can encourage us. We're not islands, we don't try to keep secrets. You, you get someone that you can take as a, as a confidant, okay? Someone that is strong in the Lord and, it, and isn't going to shame you, but it's going to come alongside you, okay? And then we find scripture. So I'm going to give you, this is just one example, but you would do this for any of these things that Paul mentioned, or, or any that you have. Exodus thirty-three fourteen. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. So you say, Lord, I thank you. Now you turn that into a decree. You turn that into a declaration over your very life. You say, I invite your presence, Lord, and I thank you that you give me peace and rest. And you, you, see, you see what I'm saying? John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts <coughs> be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So then you turn that into a declaration. You say, Lord, help me be calm in my heart. Help me not to be troubled or afraid because I can trust in you because you give me your presence and you give me your peace. Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. See that? You turn that into a declaration. You say, I am full of God's hope. I am full of his joy. I am full of his peace. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that your your anointing is in in me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that I abound in the hope of God. See that? And you just get scripture upon scripture. Like I said, does that mean that you don't talk to other people? No, of course not. Because they're meant to edify you. They're meant to come along and be one, one body with you. Not a judgmental. It is not your right to judge any other person. That's not your right. You leave that to God. You allow the love of God to abound in your heart and comfort and bring edification and encouragement to people in the truth of the word. Ephesians 2.14, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus took away every hostility between you and God. There is none. There is no hostility between you and God. None. Total love, total peace. And then you turn that into a declaration. Because I am united with you, God, with you, my Father, you are my peace in this world. You are my peace in this world. I have you, my Father, in me, abounding in your peace. You give me your hope. You give me your joy. And I walk in that. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. His anointing is in you when you're born again. You have to believe that. His anointing is bigger than anything that will come against you. I choose God's peace. It is greater than any anger. 
or whatever your emotion, whatever emotion that is that you're working through, God's peace right now is guarding my heart. His peace is a fortress in my spirit. His peace is a strong tower to my heart, okay? His peace is guarding my mind, and I will not give way to anger or fear. Your anointing in me is driving out anger or fear or whatever that emotion is. God's peace, Colossians, Colossians 3.15, God's peace rules in my heart. Not fits of rage, not fits of anger. God's peace rules in my heart. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times. It doesn't say just sometimes. It doesn't just say when things are going okay, when things are going great. It says at all times. That includes when there are challenges. That includes when there are difficulties. It says, give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. So God, right now, thank you that you give me your peace in all things in every way. Doesn't, when you say that, doesn't that, doesn't that bring rest to your soul? If you didn't say it, say it. Thank you, Lord, that you bring rest, that you bring peace to my soul at all times. Okay, Jude 1, 2. May mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Thank you, Lord, that your mercy, your peace, your love are in me. They are mine in abundance. Okay? So that's just an example of how you take the scripture and you apply it with other things, prayer, praying in the spirit, reading the word, getting encouragement from like-minded believers who will stand on the word and come alongside you and be as one with you and not, with a con- not condemning and not judging, but that will lift you up and edify you. Okay, <clears throat> here's another example. It means, okay, what strife, any kind of strife, backbiting, gossip, any kind of strife is of the devil. It brings confusion. It's an evil work, okay? So you refuse to accept strife in your home. Where there is strife, there is confusion and every evil work. You stand against it, and you can use many of these same scriptures. What if a family member or a friend has been hateful, absolutely hateful, and you, you, you have these vengeful thoughts toward them? Okay, you forgive them no matter what for your own good so that you continue in the peace of God. You forgive them, and then what do you do when their birthday comes around? No, I'm serious. What do you do? Okay, if someone has been really hateful and, 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 and offend, or has tried to offend you, if you're really walking in the love of Christ, you're not going to get offended. You're not even going to care how hateful they are. You're just going to turn around and pray for them. You know, and you're going to pray for peace in their hearts. But if they've been really hateful and, and that's a situation, so what do you do? On their birthday, I've done this before, and this is not lying. It is not being untruthful because how do you want to see other people? Yeah. You want to see them exactly how Christ saw them. He didn't d- just die for you. Little perfect you. Little perfect, do everything right you. He didn't just die for you. He died for every single person ever born. He died for every murderer. He died for every drug addict. He died for the people that have hurt you. But like I say, if you're walking in the love of Christ, you're not going to be hurt. But just pretend... Just pretend that you got hurt. What are you going to do? On their birthday, I mean, these are just little simple things you can do. You go get a card, and you buy the nicest card you can possibly buy, because why? Because you're going to say, this is my confession of that person, because this is how God sees them. Dear Lord, help me see them this way, even though maybe I can't do that right now. I forgive them, but I'm having, you know, I'm, I'm processing So you buy this card, and you say just wonderful things about them, and you send that to them. 
And you say, that's what I choose to believe about that person. Do you get that? Why do y'all look so solemn today? <laughs> I'm serious. That was a, that's a legitimate question. Why do you look so solemn today? <laughs> that's walking in the love of Christ. That's not being dishonest. That's you choosing to agree with how God sees someone and employing it in real life. Okay? So, that mends broken relationships because God never meant any relationship to be broken and he is the redeemer. He is the redeemer of all. Okay? So, you plant, you sow God's truth into their lives about how he sees them. And you agree with that word. So, every day, every day, We must choose to put on the Christ man or Christ woman. We choose to put him on. We choose to put Christ on in righteousness, in his love, in the purity of his truth. We choose to put him on, to allow him to shine out of us. So Paul then continues and he gives us several more examples of things to pay attention to. Ephesians 4, 25 through 31. Therefore, put aside from you lying. There's no such thing as a white lie. It, there's truth or not truth. Therefore, put aside from you lying and let a man speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. Do you want people to speak truthfully to you even if it hurts? Yeah, I do. I want people to speak truthfully to me even if it hurts. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Neither should you give place to the devil. And here in the Aramaic it says slanderer. Okay? Notice slanderer is capitalized. That's a capital S there, denoting the devil. That includes slander. It includes gossip. It includes backbiting. It includes, um, you know, false speaking. It includes um, sowing discord. Sowing discord. It includes um, dissension. That includes anger, issues of control. But whoever has stolen, let him not steal from now on, but let him toil with his hands and produce good that he might have to give to the one who is in need. We don't want to just bless our own lives. We want to be a blessing to the lives around us. We don't want to be concerned about just our own welfare our own ability to get ahead. We want to be a blessing to others. Let not any hateful words come out of your mouth, but whatever is good, whatever is useful for improvement, that you may give grace to those who hear. What's grace? The ultimate in beauty. You want to be a giver of the ultimate in beauty. You want to be a giver of virtues beyond the common. That's how we want to walk. That's how I want to walk. Neither be grieving the Holy Spirit of God, for you have been sealed in him. If you have been sealed in the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? That means you've been fastened in him. That means you're protected by him. That means you're surrounded by him. That means he's flowing from the inside of you. That means you are closed off from harm or decay or or things of the world by him. And you're going to walk in his truth and his knowledge and his, you know, his wisdom. For the day of redemption, let all bitterness, fury, rage, clamor, and insults be taken away from you with all wickedness. So, when you do this, you're listening to the Holy Spirit. So, I frankly don't have to be, if I put all this away from me, I don't have to be worried about what someone else says about me. I don't have to be worried about what someone else thinks, right? Because if I do this, I'm going to be walking in the love of God, okay? So, one last scripture, Ephesians 4, 31, and be ye sweet, be ye sweet, one to another, and affectionate, and forgiving one another, just as God in the Messiah has forgiven us. 
just as God in the Messiah has forgiven us. Be ye sweet, affectionate, and forgiving. So the best spiritual warfare, the best spiritual weapon that you have in your arsenal is the love of God abounding in your heart to others. All right, that's what the Lord had me say to you guys today. So we're going to accept tithes and offerings, and we're going to take communion. Communion is open for all believers in Christ Jesus. When we take communion, we are told to do it in remembrance of Christ. To do it in remembrance. What does that mean? That means to remember what he actually has done for us. So, Lord, oh, you know, I don't have one. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Lord, we come to you today and we worship you and we come to you with thanksgiving in our hearts, Lord. Thank you for the love that you've poured out upon us. Thank you that you were willing to walk to that cross to do the Father's will to save us. Thank you that you were